an off day for the Guardians is not an off day for Lockdown Guardians. We're going to talk about some prospects that are standing out, some really high-level performances of late in the minors. We're going to talk about Miles Straw. We're going to get into it. What is going wrong that is making him one of the worst hitters in baseball history right now? as well as uh, talking up Will Benson and some interesting things I've come across on today's Locked On Guardians. You are Locked On Guardians, your daily podcast on the Cleveland Guardians, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Lockdown Guardians. I'm your host, Jeff Ellis. Uh, before hosting the nearly 800 episodes of the show, I was a lead draft and prospect analyst at Scout and 24-7. Uh, before that, I wrote at Indians Prospect Insider, which I love the website, but I get a little bit annoyed with them now just because it is harder to find the Guardians Insider account because everything pops up to them. They had it first, uh, as opposed to when that used to be the Tribe Insider account. Uh, this is the little things that I think about as I am trying to get together stuff before the show. Uh, like I said, on today's show, we're going to focus, I thought, you know, some interesting things on Will Benson. I thought that Miles Straw is obviously a sore subject. Uh, some pitching performances in the minors that we have to discuss. Let's let's start with the positive. Let's start there. So Cody Morris, at some point soon, is going to add, need to be added back onto the 40-man roster. Somehow his, like, rehab status got reset, I think, when he got sent to Columbus. So he may not need to be activated until September. We'll have to see. But at the same time, uh, okay. So this is, you know, sorry to those who think I brag too much. Cody Morris has been my dude, right? Like, the hit and the miss from that era is I was Levastida, Morris, and then Ramon Burgos. And to a degree, Matt Turner. And then Turner and Burgos, the lefties, were the misses. But I was putting out Morris since the low ball. And he just kept performing at a better better rate. And I talked about it last year. Like, he should be a top 10 prospect in this system. Now, when I've had mid-level, when I've had talks about him this season, I've not put him in the top 10. Why? Because he's never had a healthy season. Like, that's one of those things that we have to kind of talk about and discuss. This is a guy who has never maintained health. And I worry that... You know, he might be a reliever long-term because of this. Now, he's still going to be a great reliever. He's currently striking out uh, almost 50% of the batters he's faced. As he's working back to strength this year, you know, he's never thrown more than three and a third innings. At the same time, in those three and a third innings, he's, uh, you know, never given up, what, more than, like, three base runners, four base runners, while striking out, you know, at a high, high rate. He has been... Just fantastic. Uh, if you look at his overall data this year, it's just 12 innings. His FIP is 292. His K per his K per nine is 17 and a half. His walks per nine is 3.65. Home runs per nine 1.46. Again, smallest of sample sizes, but it doesn't change the fact this dude is straight, just ripping it. I mean, he is pulling back, and guys are not picking it up. And he has always missed bats, but again, innings. So, you know, he gets drafted way back in a uh, seventh-round pick in 2018. Doesn't pitch in the minors that year out of South Carolina, I want to say. 2019, across two levels, he throws 99 innings. Not bad. Obviously, 2020 is a lost year. 
2021 last year, he throws, what, 60 innings? And then this year, you're, if you count the innings that he threw um, at the complex, he's had 18 innings. He has never had a 100-inning season in the minors, and that is partially health. It is an issue for him. He's just not able to. Same time, though, you look at his minor league career, his, uh, this is where... You know, they don't compile things over fan graphs. I wish they did. But like his his worst FIP in the minors was a 395. Other than that, 292 right now in Columbus is his second worst FIP. And he's just been a dominant, dominant pitcher. Can he hold up as a starter? That I mean, that's just the question. That is really the only question is health. If you... And it was a, it's that same injury that Clevenger had. It's the same injury... I think 99 had it's a common injury like do you just move him to the pen i don't know um he is a guy and maybe i i am a lot quicker to pull that pin and move on i mean if i had my way this bullpen would have aaron savale in it and you know eli morgan was someone i thought you'd move to the pen quicker you'd have uh, maybe carlos vargas up and throwing out of the pen i i pull that pin very i mean tristan mckenzie might be in the pen so again i don't get them all right um, and would <laughs> be a massive mistake, but I just worry in this particular case with health, there's been no sign that he can hold up as a starter. Um, maybe he turns it around, but I think no matter what happens, when we hit September 1st and rosters, ex- you know, expand, <laughs> almost said explode wrong EX when rosters expand Cody Morris, I think, I think he gets a call. I think he is part of it. I think they figure out a way to make him work in that row, if not in the rotation, um, in a bullpen role. I, it just might be that he is a multi-inning reliever as needed, but not someone who pitches all the time. You know, when you can expand and add another arm in the bullpen, then maybe it's a guy who throws three innings but can only throw every three to four days. Maybe not an ideal use of that role, but at the same time, it's hard to look at the numbers and think he can't help this team. I, I don't see a way that he doesn't help the Guardians. This is He has been spectacular uh, in his call, in his time, and it's just, again... People get, I, I get repetitive, but health, that, that's really the only question we have. Let's talk, speaking of great performances, I, I talked about how we had to talk about Gavin Williams. Uh, his last start, well, not his last start, because his last start was, what, yesterday? And, and that one actually uh, not as uh, strong. But his previous start to that against Erie, six innings, no hits four strikeouts, no walks. That's right. It was a perfect game. He, a lot of people said no hitter, no walks in that one. It was a, a perfect, unless there was an error, which wouldn't show up in the box score. But as a pitcher himself, in terms of what he could control, it was a perfect performance. Now he faces Erie five days later and gives up four uh, four runs in uh, and three home runs in that one. His ERA goes from 159 to 216. Still, uh, Gavin Williams has been so, so good this year. You know, with the fact that I mean, it doesn't sound like we're going to see a Spino pitch again this year, is Williams the top pitching prospect in this system? One could make the case with the pitch mix. Now, the the other side of it is he has had his own health issues uh, in college. There were issues in there. Yeah, he has so far in the one season in Cleveland been great. I mean, he's up to. 95 uh, innings pitched and 11.6 for his strikeouts per nine and a walk rate of 3.3. And essentially his first year, and not essentially in his first year in the minors, he didn't pitch it all in 2021. You can make a case. I still think a healthy Espino is just 
you know, head and shoulders ahead of Williams. Um, that's not a knock on Williams. That's just when Espino, if Espino was healthy, he might be the best pitching prospect in baseball. And you're like, Jeff, you've always been low on him. And I'm like, yes, I have because of the health, right? That is, that has been my concern from day one. You can go back and listen to when they drafted him. And I go, he's not who I take because he's going to get hurt at some point. He's going to miss a season at some point. That's what's happened, right? That is exactly what has happened. I can also go back to that one and be like, I understand why you take him though. Cause you could probably in the next year, get him in the majors as a reliever and him be a dynamite reliever. He's got a chance to be the best pitcher in this class, which is also what I stated. It, you know, it all still tracks. This isn't necessarily uh, one of those things I got wrong. I mean, I got wrong by saying, I don't think I kept that pick in my, my redraft. I'd have to go back and see what I did. Probably look ugly, but Williams is overall talent. He's just a hair below just because Espino is there's, there's no one who quite matches him in my opinion. But due to the, the health issues, part of me thinks that Rokio really is the top prospect. It's, it's just one of those things, you know, his promotion to, to double a, and it's funny because again, yes, you can point out, I was not as high on him. I, but that was because he was the, the guy performing well in the lower minors. And I've always had my, uh, concerns about guys until they prove it in the upper minors. I'm always kind of slow to adapt, and maybe it makes my rankings a little too reactionary. Um, if one wants to make that case, I would totally understand that. But, yeah, I think that there's a clear top three. And you're probably, what about Bo Naylor? Bo is great. Bo hasn't done it as consistently. I can't just completely white boy what happened last year. He has made huge strides, huge improvements. Obviously, I'd probably have him like a fourth in system, but when I'm talking about those other three guys, there's a little more safety uh, relative to all things. Um, so that that's where it kind of goes. But yeah, I think you know, Rokio is there's to me that top three with Rokio and the two arms, then a gap. Then you're talking about your next grouping. Uh, see, so this, and I know there's going to be people going like, but you know, he only had a 780 OPS. Why are you that high on him? And the year before that, his combined OPS, or I know, his combined one, that was only an 807. You know, he's a top prospect. And yeah, he started out slow, but he still, you know, he doesn't strike out a lot. He walks. He has surprising pop. There's a lot of Frankie Lindor to him. And I'm just going to state that, and we can move on from there. Uh, in terms of other top performers in the minors let's take a second and give a few well let's take a break we're gonna come back and talk about some guys who won the you know the international and you know won some pitching awards for pitchers of the week we're gonna then come back and get into Fran Mo Reyes talk about what's occurring with him I know he's gone but we gotta discuss a little bit Miles Straw and again a very interesting quote I came upon about Will Benson on today's episode of Lockdown Guardians our fantastic sponsor for today is LinkedIn As you gear up for fall, you need the right people on your team to help your small business fire on all cylinders. LinkedIn Jobs is here to make it easier to find the people you want to talk to faster and for free. It's always the key word, right? Free. You can create a free job post in minutes on LinkedIn Jobs to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 800 million people. Then add your job in the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word. Simple tools like screening questions help cut down on candidates. They make sure you get the candidate you need with the skills you want. That's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leaving competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find candidates you want to talk to faster. We all know it's about speed. You want to get there first to get the good candidate before someone else 
gets them away from you. Do you know every week nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on MLB. That's linkedin.com slash locked on MLB to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, you can find me on LinkedIn. You can go find my profile right now. Okay, so again, I mentioned I want to talk about, we did have some award winners. Oh, and we also got to talk Mason Hickman. I almost completely blanked on Hickman here. Uh, but yes, let's let's get into it. Peyton Beatonfield and Will Dion. Dion, kind of a forgotten member of last year's pitching class because there's so many guys excelling. No knock on him. He has been awesome as well. Uh, but this past week, he had seven innings, one hit, two walks, seven strikeouts, Peyton Beatonfield. Six innings, two hits, two walks, eight Ks. Uh, Angel Martinez, with his promotion, has just kept hitting. It's been amazing to watch, but Mason Hickman. So if you go back, something I got wrong is I thought like Mason Hickman could be the steal of the 2020 draft. This is a guy who didn't develop at Vandy, and that is a common refrain. A little bit how we've talked about at Florida. I can talk about a lot of the big Ohio prospects who've kind of gone to Vandy and not taken the step forward. Chandler Day, for instance, is you know one that comes to mind, but there have been others. We've seen guys go there and... You know, Kumar Rocker was Kumar Rocker when he got there. One can say the same about Jack Leiter. You know, finding that arm who really took a step forward has not been what it was. And the other side of things is like honestly, I rip on Virginia. Aaron, hope you're listening. Let me know. I one time had someone from Virginia be like, "Hey, what about Vandy?" And and they're right. Like Vandy, until Dansby Swanson, I mean, the best hitter by a large margin in Vandy history was Pedro Alvarez, who was a massive disappointment uh, after his huge bonus with Pittsburgh. He was supposed to be a generational guy, and he petered out pretty quick. Uh, Maybe not generational, but he was supposed to be a multi-time all-star. Like, he was a big, big name back in his day. And yeah, they've had pitchers. They've had guys, you know, like Walker Bueller, like David Price. There was that great run of pitchers there, but since then. So I thought Hickman would dominate in college had good stuff good control but he hadn't found that extra gear send him to cleveland this is what they excel at is finding an extra gear i was very very bullish he hadn't found that extra gear <laughs> let's just be honest he had not found that extra gear uh, through his time in the minors and then he's been moved to this pen role in akron they have so many starters mason hickman was transferred to the pen he got his promotion up the line and just you know if you're curious uh in lake county where he was basically kind of old for the level technically like just barely below the league average but at 23 in that level had he turned 24 yet no he'll turn 24 right before christmas uh he was a little bit old and he had a 13.9 strikeout per nine 4.2 walk per nine 1.7 home run per nine and you know he just this is the problem you know i want to get certain stats from one side and certain stats from another he just hadn't found that extra gear his fip was four five nine and the year before that, he was repeating high A this year. It was a 478. He just hadn't done enough. And then they make him a reliever and shoot him up the line. And he has been, I mean, he got, he started to become a reliever, I should say, actually in high A before the push up. But he's reeled off 15 straight scoreless innings over eight outings. This is, a, by the way, these stats are courtesy of uh, Guardians Insider, the website with just four hits, four walks, and 22 strikeouts. I am curious to look at the overall data and see, you know, if there's more, you know, spin, if there's more velocity, if there's something. But in a t- with a team that, 
You know, the the top relievers, prospect-wise, have kind of disappointed this year. Mason Hickman's a really interesting addition to that relief core. We'll have to see where this goes, but, I mean, right now, he's definitely got my attention. You should have yours, too. If you get a chance to watch Akron, that's someone you want to see. I think it is fascinating to see what happens. I mean, we know the best relievers were often starters, and he was totally a starter until, you know, what, a few weeks ago, and since he's moved to the pen, uh, no one's been able to hit him, so good on Hickman. It is a fantastic thing if you are a Guardians fan to kind of see how that went. I want Let's talk about the interesting quote before we then talk about, you know, the not-so-fun stuff at the end of the show. I thought this was an interesting quote in Zach Meisel's piece on The Athletic um, from Terry Francona that I think there are different criteria for different people. I think that's being honest. With Freeman, I think we felt like we got to a point where he had enough at-bats where if he wasn't playing every day, it wouldn't hurt him. Well, Benson's at a different point in his career where he's going to be a minor league free agent if we didn't get a chance to look at him. So just on that part, it's interesting. You know, They're trying to talk about the, the balancing of at-bats. Um, you know, how does the team balance whether it's more beneficial for young players to amass daily at bats at AAA or get limited playing time in the majors? So clearly, they think Freeman doesn't need to play every day. He's gotten enough at bats. They know what he is. But it's interesting that Benson is going to be a minor league free agent if we don't get a chance to look at him. So this quote here, they, I mean, it's kind of like Anthony Ghost a year ago. It also makes me think that, you know, he was supposed to, I don't think he's played first since he's been called up. Now, the, like I said, he has been the, the best hitter by you know offensive metrics in AAA uh, this year and was actually one of the best ones last year for a good chunk of the season. But this is the quote of a player kind of, you know, and again, very different builds. Are they the same draft class? I think Nick Plummer might have been a year older. But this reminds me of Nick Plummer's huge breakout a year ago. If you listen to the show, you know how much. I was like, hey, he's an interesting guy. Maybe the Garden should at least try him out. It hasn't worked for him. I was totally wrong on that. I thought Plummer was really interesting with his pedigree and finally performing. I, this makes it sound like Benson is... They want to get a look. They want him to get opportunities. But he is not a priority. This quote... Let me know what you think. This quote doesn't make it sound like, okay, we want to look at him before we lose him. But he is not a priority... Should we start with Franmel? So Franmel, it's you know it's forty-seven plate appearances. He has a one sixty-nine runs created plus after a sixty-nine this year in Cleveland. What's changed for Franmel Reyes? He's walking less, but he's striking out a lot less, thirty-seven to twenty-three. Now, if you're being cynical, what's the difference? His bat pip is ninety points higher in Chicago. Now, what's a three hundred nine in Cleveland? It was actually pretty high. He's always had high bat pips. Uh, so if you knock that down, take off the ninety points, that is almost the difference. I mean relative it's still it's a 120 point difference in his batting average so it's not all of it listen he was hitting the ball hard all year he was striking out too much he's cut back on the strikeouts and he's been able to kind of relax and he's playing exceptionally well and this lineup misses a mile straw because it lacks right-handed bats it lacks those right-handed hitters i at the same time, if you, again, want to be super cynical, it's like, well, he was just the DH. So when you're facing, you know, a left-handed hitter, it just means that, you know, him and Naylor could almost be a platoon and, you know, it doesn't fix the own Miller of it all. And there's that. But there aren't a lot of guys on this team who have multiple 30 home run seasons or are going to be that guy. So that's why the Fran Mill thing hurts. Uh, 
Chicago's done really well with power types. Look at, you know, Patrick Wisdom was a scrap heap guy, and he's played well. They've had a lot of guys step up and perform well for them uh, in terms of, you know, we talked about uh, Wilson Contreras. I mean, he took a step forward this year. Man, Seiya Suzuki, he's kind of fallen by the wayside, but he's still got 107 runs created plus. Uh, Ian Happ's breakout this year, kind of... I was going to go through it's like what was the other I was trying to remember the first baseman we talked about um in the offseason I'm not seeing the name and Nick Magical it's just it has not been magical for that magical um gosh who uh Frank Swindell was that first baseman who's really come back hard to earth uh Rafael Ortega doesn't you know some guys have come back but you know there's Patrick Wisdom with a 111 runs created plus and uh 22 home runs interesting team interesting development so let's now dig into Milestraw so if we go and we look at the baseball savant data, the one big thing, you know, when I you look at the slider change is expected batting average because he's striking out a lot more. His K percentage last year, I'm sorry, last year, I'm sorry, this year he's actually striking out less. So it's weird because he's making more contact, but the problem is the contact might actually be poor contact overall when you're looking at all of this. And then the other you know, his slugging percentage this year is actually higher than, uh, or no, last year was higher. I'm sorry. It's lower this year, but it's the, I'm having, having confusion. He's striking out less this year. And you might think that's counterintuitive. Why would less strikeouts? Because he's, he doesn't always hit the ball as hard. And then the higher slugging a year ago, how buoy his overall production. Cause I mean, he is, he's one of the worst power hitters, you know, in terms of just like when you talk about tools, he has some of the worst power in baseball. And that's the other thing we have to talk about. Like, his runs created plus is on pace to be, like, one of the two worst of the last 40 years. He is, what, uh, Unieski Betancourt, maybe, with uh, Kansas City or Milwaukee. He's the only one who's had a lower one at betting Kansas City. They tend to ignore advanced stats. So there's that one. You go, I mean, it's not necessarily anything that hugely jumps out going back and forth on baseball Savant this year to last year. Yes, those do, you know, max exit velocity. Uh, was much higher last year, but that's just max. His average exit velocity is a, is identical. So he's, or I'm sorry, it's two percentage points lower. But a lot of other things, it's just, they kind of stay in line, except for that K percentage, where last year was 65%, 65th percentile. This year it's 89th percentile. So you're like, oh, but that should make him better. Let's then go back into the numbers. Let's talk about this year, this year, his runs created plus versus a lefty is 67 versus a righty, it's 53. This year, he's better against lefties than righties. For his career, it's an 88 versus righties, and that's what this year dragging it down. So for whatever reason, he is just not seeing righties well, and that is kind of what made him work. His runs created plus this year is actually higher than his career versus lefties, a 67 versus a 61 in his career versus lefties. But for some reason... After being an 88, which, you know, again, we're not talking about great production, but that's passable, and that's 88 with this year really bringing it down. He's got a 53. It is a very low amount. He can't, he's not, just not playing as well against righties as he has in the past. And to continue the theme, he is striking out less against them. But his slugging, his averages on base, his ISO, those are all lower. And I won't say significantly lower, but... Yeah, like his runs created plus against righties for his career is a 99. Right now, this year, his runs created plus against righties is a 21. That's an issue. Uh, 
versus lefties, it was it was twenty eight. Weighted runs created. Now and that's weighted runs created, not runs created plus. I, I, the plus part, which is what normalizes it, ignore that eight and twenty one. I'm having a having a bad time uh, doing stats, but still the sixty seven and the fifty three this year, as opposed to the eighty eight and the sixty one. So he's just not hitting righties at all. The other interesting thing is if you go back and listen to the podcast I did with um, Brett from Locked On Astros, you'll hear he and I talking about how I would like to get Miles Straw. And this was after the 2020 season. I'm like, well, he walks. And he's like, he didn't walk at all last year. And he had a 4.7% walk rate after that 2020 season. This year, it's a 9.6. For his career, it's over 10. The walk rate, and this also came up in Zach's piece, that the walk rate is is dropping for him. That for whatever reason, he is... He's not striking out, but he's also not walking. So he is, you know, it, it's his contact rate. He is not a guy with high exit velocities. We're talking about th- or max, um, yeah, exit velocities, 13 and 15%. So he kind of needs to be more patient, right? Maybe strike out a little bit more. Maybe walk a little bit more. Make the pitcher work for it a little bit more. I mean, he's... He, his chase rate data is excellent. He's not swinging at bad pitches, but for whatever reason, like the walk percentage, I'm trying to see what year is this. I want to make sure I have the right set of data as I try to explain it here. So this is this year. So this year, his walk percentage, 14 and 13 at the start of the year, where it was good. Then eight, six, two, three point three in August. So he had a 70 weighted runs created in the first half. Not great, but we take a 70. He had an 11% walk percentage. 2% in the second half with a 10 runs created plus. Now, if we go over to his career data, 11.6, 11.3, 11.4. Now, what's interesting is July and August, he has tended to tail off, 9.7, 7.3. August has not been his good month. Now, this is also dragged down, of course, by this year's data. But he's gotten 11.5 for his career. So he is walking, you know, he was first half was in line and a 70 runs created plus. It's not great but you'll take a 70. Okay. 2% now. He just doesn't have enough anything else to, to buoy him. He's got to walk. It's the same complaint you heard me through the years have about Bobby Bradley. You got to walk. You got to have a secondary trait. And yeah, Straw can still play because he plays elite center field defense. That's a secondary trait. But if you don't want to be historically one of the worst hitters in baseball for a season, which is what he is on pace for, you gotta sit down and work on being a little more patient. He is he's another one. I mean, I think when you are someone who has walked almost twelve percent for your entire career and in the second half you're at two percent, it's easy to say he's pressing. He is pressing and they are tied to him for five more years. He is also a good buddy of Jose's, which you know, and he's clearly a locker room leader type. Uh, you know, he's it is interesting. It's like him and Ahmed switched, right? Remember how bad Ahmed was? This this is my, you want my, my uh, conspiracy theorist, the um, Charlie Day meme with uh, with all the lines on the wall. <laughs> if we pull up the splits data for Rosario, at this, remember his 49 and an 83 in May, right? That's And that's when um, Straw was actually playing well. That is his good point, was the March, April, May. And then after that, the, the switch happened, where Rosario's been at a 153, 118, 108. 
And then that is where, uh, during that switch, uh, Straw is completely imploded. It's like somehow these two guys can't stay hot at the same time. Uh, now, in fairness, May was not exactly great for Straw, but he had a 126 to start the year. 53 in May, 21, 95, negative 45 so far in August. I've never seen, like, August data is showing that this is a guy who is just very conscious of what's going on in pressing. Now, his bat pip, that's the other thing. Like, with his speed, his bat pip has twice has been under 200. That should never happen. If you're making weak contact, you're not getting the ball out of the infield, you know, it, balls on the ground, we have talked about it, have more positive outcomes for a hitter than balls in the air. Uh, go ahead, laugh. I understand. I said balls a lot. But straw is not hitting it anywhere strong enough to make that occur. And that's just the thing here. It's He is pressing. He is um, you know, he's just not walking enough. And they we clearly, you know, the big reveal, though, honestly, is we clearly have a Freaky Friday situation going on right now with Miles Straw and Ahmed Rosario. And I'm not sure who is with who. But I think it's, you know, you can just look at the data. May, you know, they're both kind of getting used to the body change. And then since then, we've seen what's happening. Uh, please don't view this as anything other than a joke, not something uh, deeper or darker. But, yeah, I think I think we have a clear Freaky Friday situation going on. Let me know. Hit me up on my Twitter at JeffMLBDraft. Rate and review. Download daily. It helps. Subscribe on the YouTube. That really helps. You need to get to 1K on there. It's a lot of extra work for me. I don't get any benefit until we get to 1K. So, again, and you know, if you like this show, it's a simple way to show my bosses that uh, you don't want changes to Lockdown Guardians. So go subscribe. It takes a moment. Uh, as I want to thank everyone, again, for any part you do. Subscribe, listen, anything you do that contributes. Thank you very much. And as I end every show, go, go, Guardians, go.